0: How can conspiracy theories become a form of idolatry? I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, A Pastoral Response to Conspiracy Theories. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Julie Stegemeyer writes about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org.
1: So tell me why?
2: why haven't I heard from you?
3: Tell me why? have I
1: heard from you?
0: We have a little criticism of a recent conversation with Pastor Brian Wolf on the Lord's Prayer, the petition "Thy will be done." A question about why we baptize infants when Jesus Himself wasn't baptized until He was an adult, and. Speaking of baptism, the Pope has said that some transgender individuals can be baptized by Roman Catholic priests. What should we think about that? It's time for listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. Our email address, talkback at talkbackatissuesetc.org, and the comment line, 618-223-8382. This email comes from Bruce. Pastor Miller, in his comments on the
3: Lord's Prayer, stated that the petition, Thy Will Be Done is a request that the will of God would prevail over the will of Satan. Firstly, God doesn't need my prayers to defeat Satan. Satan is no match for the true and living God. He could annihilate Satan with his little finger. Isn't it rather a plea that in whatever suffering of body or mind I must currently bear, God's will for me at the present moment, God would grant me contentment and strength to stand up under it, First Corinthians ten thirteen. To me, this seems to be what the Lord Jesus is praying in the garden before his crucifixion. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22, verse 42. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the email, Bruce. Well, Pastor Wolf Miller
0: is really on firm ground here. And it, first of all, the, your suggestion of what the uh, the prayer is asking for is not wrong. We certainly do in that in that prayer, thy will be done. Ask that God would have us both recognize and submit to his will, regardless of whether or not bring suffering or not. So, And he promises to strength us, strengthen us in that suffering by his word and his Holy Spirit. So it, it does mean that, but it, that does not exclude a prayer against the devil. And the reason I say that Pastor Wolf Miller's on firm ground is because he's simply basically repeating what we were taught in the small catechism regarding that petition, thy will be done. And Luther asked this question in the small catechism, how is God's will done? Answer. God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil. There it is. The world and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens us and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is God's good and gracious will. So the one is not exclusive of the other. It's, praying against the will of the devil, our sinful flesh, and the world, and that God would break and hinder all those plans in your favor, also that he would strengthen us and keep us firm in his word until we die. So if you look at the large catechism, Luther goes into quite a bit more detail about this petition being a prayer against the devil because the devil wants to hinder God's will. He wants to hinder the coming of the kingdom and the hallowing of God's name. So you and Pastor Wolf Miller, are both right, and the two answers are not exclusive of one another. And the answer there is found in nothing short of Luther's small catechism.
3: Here's a great, succinct question from Violet
0: in Cincinnati,
3: Ohio. Something I've been stumped on is the fact that Lutherans believe in and promote infant baptism, yet Jesus was baptized as an adult.
0: Why is this? Well, it's not just Lutherans. Lutherans, Roman Catholics, the Orthodox, some Presbyterians, the vast majority of Christians in the world practice infant baptism. Not always for the same reason, but they do practice infant baptism. It's also the unattested historic practice of the church, really never questioned except by a heretic or two, until the Radical Reformation that took place alongside the Lutheran Reformation in the 16th century. So it has history on its side. It has the ancient church fathers on its side. It has the vast majority of Christians practicing today on its side. So it's not just Lutherans who practice infant baptism. But your question is good. Why, if Jesus isn't baptized until he's an adult, do all those Christians who practice infant baptism do so? Let's just bear a couple things in mind. Baptism as such did not exist until God sent John the Baptist to baptize. Now, were there ritual washings in the Old Testament? Yes, there were. Some even commanded by God, but not ritual washings of oneself for repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as John's baptism was. The ritual washings of the Old Testament law were intended to clean ceremonially, but did not promise the forgiveness of sins did not promise repentance and the forgiveness of sins. John's baptism is something new. It builds on the ritual washings of the Old Testament, but it's something entirely new that God sent him to do. John tells us, he sent me to baptize for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. So it didn't exist until John began his public ministry. So no one had an opportunity to be baptized at any age before John the Baptist begins his public ministry. And Jesus uh, does not come out publicly and begin his ministry until John's ministry is winding down. In fact, he's baptized by John, and then Jesus does not come out and begin to publicly teach until John is thrown into prison. So Jesus had no opportunity to be baptized as an infant, and baptism as such did not exist prior to John's public ministry. So that's the reason why Jesus was baptized at the age he was. The reason we baptize infants is because Jesus has commanded that everyone should be baptized. He's commanded this in the last chapter of Matthew Go make disciples of all nations by baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. He makes no restrictions on eggs, he places no restrictions on age whatsoever go baptize all nations. Infants are part of nations. They get baptized too. He also commands it through the apostle in both their practice by baptizing whole households, including infants, and specifically through Peter in the second chapter of Acts where the people say, what shall we do? In response to his Acts 2 sermon, and he says, be baptized every one of you and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit so everyone means everyone so if i walked into a room of mixed ages people including infants and i said every one of you needs to leave this room everyone would leave the room including the infants they wouldn't leave under their own steam but they would they'd be carried out no one in the right mind would say well he said everyone but he didn't specify infants so let's leave the infants behind. Just the adults will leave. If I said every, the building's on fire, everyone needs to leave, everyone would leave. No one in their right mind would say, well, we didn't say babies. You see, it's kind of a sophistic trick that is played by people who deny infant baptism. Say, well, they didn't specify infants. Well, they didn't specify women either. For that matter, men. If we play that game, we are going to be continuously asking, "Well, so when we're supposed to baptize all nations, or they baptized whole households, since they didn't say men or women, how did they know who to baptize?" They were nursing homes. Maybe they meant maybe they meant only the women, or maybe they meant only the men, because we don't know. It's an argument from absolute silence. So we rest very, very firmly on the command of Christ, both Himself. And through his apostles the apostles practice the practice of the ancient church the testimony of the ancient church and again not just lutherans but the vast majority of christians in the world today have the historic and biblical practice of baptizing infants cmail
3: comes from denver colorado chris writes what are your thoughts about the roman catholic church allowing the baptism of some transgender individuals now let me read from religion news service just so we right. get the facts right Answering a question from a Brazilian bishop, the Vatican Department that oversees doctrinal matters said that there is no reason to bar transgender people from being baptized or from serving as witnesses at Catholic weddings. This is a quote from the document. A transsexual undergoing hormonal treatment and sex reassignment surgery can be baptized under the same conditions as other faithful if there are no situations in which there is a risk of generating public scandal or disorientation in the faithful, end quote, the document writ.
0: The listener asked, what was my reaction? I was stunned. I mean, this came from nothing other than the Congregation for the Faith. That is the official Vatican doctrinal organization. When they put something on paper, it is the official position of the Roman Catholic Church. This isn't some rogue priest. This isn't even a rogue pope which we kind of have right now. This is the official organization. This is a considered decision. And I was stunned. I was shocked. I immediately sent something to Jeff, if I'm not mistaken, when I read it in religion news service and I did the same thing Jeff did. I said, this can't be right. So I went and I looked, Oh, the byline is religion news service. They are not known for making things up or they're not a satirical website. So it is on good authority that this is now being permitted. I do not know why they are doing it. Roman Catholic theologians, nothing against them personally, but they do have a tendency to equivocate and mince words sometimes, parse words. And so is there any possibility that they're saying that there's some unique, almost astronomically infinitesimal possibility that someone could be baptized or serve as a witness to a baptism? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like they're just saying they can do this. Why are they saying this? I have no idea. I would really, really like it explained. The odd thing is I saw that in RNS and at least in my casual perusal of social media that is filled with Roman Catholics. I haven't seen anyone reacting to this yet. Maybe that's why we're still waiting to talk about it, because that's a single story I've seen. Have you seen any, any other sources for that story?
3: No, I haven't. But I would think if this was a major victory for the left, why haven't you heard it on NPR? Yeah, why haven't you read it in the New York Times or the Washington Post?
0: I would think it would be It, would that's be why it makes front me, page
3: news. That's why it makes me a little skeptical.
0: I'm skeptical. At the same time, it is the guy who heads up the Congregation for the Faith. That's the seat that Ratzinger used to occupy before he became Pope Benedict. They are the official promulgators of teaching. So had this been Francis simply asking a question from a reporter, I'd say don't take it that seriously because he's kind of a gaffe machine when it comes to these issues. He's kind of the Joe Biden of popes. But this is an official pronouncement, and that's just—it's I'm just stunned. Daniel.
3: From Indiana, listening to a recent episode with Dr. Jesse Yao on the scientific vocation and other episodes talking about creation in the age of the earth, I am always interested that so many people have doubts in their faith based on the age of the earth argument. It has always been a simple answer to me that God created the earth with the appearance of age. We know the chicken came before the egg because of Genesis, so the chicken was created fully formed as was Adam and all the creatures. Why would the earth be any different? The appearance of earth after God's creation would not be one that was young, but one that was old, with millions of years of history that allows for life to flourish. God created the earth with oil in the ground, mountains that would look to be millions of years old, and the Grand Canyon could already be there, showing millions of years of erosion. If a scientist were transported back to that first day when the earth was made and took a rock sample— the carbon dating would say it was very old, not that it was one day old, and the same with the rest of creation. Thank you for all you do. It's a blessing for all who listen, and thank you for listening in
0: Indiana, Daniel. It's really a good answer, Daniel, and I like your chicken and egg. Did, oh, or I, I have said it this way in the past. Did the trees of the garden have rings? Because the rings and trees are laid down annually. That's why they're called annual rings. Did the If I would have taken out my little hatchet like George Washington and chopped down one of the cherry trees. Would I have found rings in that tree? I certainly would have. The rivers were created already flowing in motion. As you said, the mountains. Now, some people say that you're saying that God created the earth with fossils already in the ground. No, the fossils are the result of the flood. It's the best explanation there possibly could be for all the fossil record. But the earth itself, yes, upon very close inspection appears to be ancient. But, you know, when Adam was created, he appeared to be a full grown man. He wasn't born ball- like a ball headed baby, right? A baby comes out and most of them don't have hair. They have no teeth. Adam had it all. And yet, one minute after his creation, Adam was one minute old. So if one takes seriously, the account of creation which sadly so few christians still do there are no gigantic explanations necessary god created everything in the universe with the appearance of age when we come back more listener email the issues etc comment line stay tuned
1: Solos are for long, but it's a good refrain you listen to it twice cuz the dj is asleep on the-
0: Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor.
3: Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com lutheracademy.com. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc.
2: At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.
1: Criticism.
2: I just had to call in to respond to this week's installment of Never Trump Drivel from Terry
1: Mattingly.
3: Compliments.
1: I love the interviews and insights because they help me battle the slings and arrows of outrageous theology and practice.
2: Clarification. Is there a point where, without baptism, infants go to heaven, and after which time they go to hell if they're not baptized?
3: The Issues Etc. Comment Line, six one eight two two three eighty three eighty two.
0: Thanks to Pastor Jim Remke and Messiah Lutheran Church in Kenosha, Wisconsin for recently renewing their sponsorship of Issues Etc. Congregations are preparing their budgets now for next year. Learn how to promote your confessional Lutheran church and support this worldwide outreach on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Look for the one-page informational flyer. Become an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor in 2024. We're going through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Here's a show suggestion from the Issues Etc. comment line.
2: Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm calling from Boston, Massachusetts. I have so enjoyed the Law and Gospel series. It has just been wonderful. Thank you for producing it. I had a wish. Would you consider doing either an add-on or something separate about Law and Gospel in the light of parents and children how to share this with children, and I don't know if it is part and parcel of the same thing, but I'm also dearly wishing for something about, you know, parental authority with effectiveness and grace, you know, sort of how to bear the sword effectively and acknowledging the role that you've been given by God and informed by His good wisdom and love. I would dearly love that. Thank you for all you do. It is a huge blessing.
0: Thank you very much for the suggestion. We will take it under advisement. Now, I I have one just little word of caution when it comes to law and gospel and parenting. I think it's been tried by almost every Lutheran pastor. I have the key to parenting. It's law and gospel. And that's how I'm going to parent. Now, look, should we apply law and gospel of God's word to our children? Absolutely. But it's very difficult to say, thus saith the Lord, bedtime is 8.30. Because the Lord did not say thus. You did. And you cannot use law and gospel with your word. In other words, to do so would be to say something to your children that really is not entirely true. Let's just be Honest. Your arbitrary setting of the bedtime at 830 is the rule in your house and your children should obey it because children owe their parents love and obedience. That is God's law. But the 830 bedtime isn't God's law. And you can't make it God's law. And they say, How, why do we have to go to bed at 830? You are perfectly within your parental authority to say, because I said so. Now if they ask, why should I listen to you? You can say, "I'm your father or I'm your mother. And now you can bring in God's Word. God has commanded you to obey me, to honor your father and mother. But you keep the distinction between your word and God's word when you're a parent. It's kind of like what we do here in issues, et cetera. We have a very clear thus saith the Lord. You have to say it as God says it. But I think every single Lutheran pastor has tried the long gospel thing with their kids to me parenting is it's not like preaching preaching is a, is pretty easy compared to parenting and parenting is well jeff you've raised 5 of them almost I'm to still raising yeah also, almost to adulthood all of them maybe and <laughs> you're just putting out fires you're putting out fires you're enforcing the family rules you're calling them on their bs you're trying, just trying to get them where they need to be. And most of the time, at least my experience, I only raised two. My oldest turned 32 yesterday. So, so far so good. And she's raising her own her own now. You're just kind of chasing your own tail, especially when you're parenting small kids. And there's not a lot of time for reflection. Should you practice confession and absolution with your kids when they say they're sorry? Should you say, I forgive you in the name of Christ? Absolutely. There you have it, thus saith the Lord but when it comes to eat the, your peas, drink the rest of your milk, all those kinds of things that you have to do with your kids on a daily basis, your word suffices. And it's backed up by the command to honor your father and mother.
3: Take asks, I heard President Matthew Harrison's advertisement for Lutheran schools. Is there a place this advertisement is available or a way to get access
1: to it? Let's listen to it first. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools.
0: All right, is there a place where someone who says, look, I want to do that, uh, maybe even, I want to pay a few bucks to a local radio station to run this on behalf of our congregation, maybe even tag our congregation on it, or our school?
3: That's a great idea. How do they do that? That's a great idea. First of all, it was produced by Lutheran Public Radio. It's currently only running on issues, et cetera. And we will make it available, and they'll be able to tag it. I think it's a great idea to run on your local Talk station. Yep, and tag this message. Brought to you by Faith Lutheran School, Plano, Texas. That's all you're gonna have time to tag it for. But we will make that available. If you send it, I did to this listener. Send an email talkback at issuesetc dot org. We'll be glad to send it to you. But we're gonna make it available probably a little soon now for next school year. I sit on a board of a Lutheran high school, and it's pretty much known if your child hasn't transferred by November.
2: It's not well, going to happen.
3: Yeah, they probably had to wait till next year. But but talk back at issuesetc.org. We'll send it to you. And we're going to make it available definitely during Lutheran Schools weeks next year, National Lutheran School Week, which is always in January. And then I think it's a great time in the spring and summer to promote it locally.
0: Well, and see, in my way of thinking, this is long overdue. This is something that should have been done years ago. But now more needful than ever because the opportunity where parents are casting about some of them saying, I just can't keep my kid in the public school any longer. The indoctrination is endangering my child. So where can I find someplace? The truth that Pastor Harrison articulated in that spot, they're not distinctly Lutheran. They are Christian. They're but biblical. They're biblical, but they are almost uh, common sense, for lack of a better word. And I think there are a lot of parents that are looking for something like that for their kids.
3: Talk back at issuesetc.org affiliates. And just letting you know, we're going to go a little bit over the top of the hour. Chelsea, Kansas. I recently listened to your episodes discussing convert stories of faith. They were so encouraging. Additionally, thank you for asking great questions. There is rich simplicity in your style and it makes me as a listener appreciate you giving others a chance to speak. Thanks, Todd and your team for these podcasts.
0: Happy to do it. That's my job is just to ask questions. And the shorter the questions are, then I've discovered over many years of doing this, shorter the questions and simpler, the better the answers.
3: But very few hosts do that. James in Canada, I'm writing to share my thoughts on the recent interview with Jordan Sokmalis as part of the Pathways to Lutheranism series. What a deeply moving and thoughtful interview. As someone who followed an often meandering path out of evangelicalism to confessional Lutheranism, I relate strongly to Jordan's experience. Especially poignant were his descriptions of finding a key to understanding the Christian faith in the sacraments. After decades of believing that there was something more that I must do or give to God, it is such a wonderful joy to know that God desires to give me his salvation and forgiveness freely as a gift. At the end of the interview, Jordan's description of traveling 800 miles to Romania To receive those gifts in the divine service is beautiful and humbling. How small my drive to church seems now. May we never take for granted the gifts that we have so abundantly available to us. Jordan's wisdom and insight that he has gained from his studies is clear. And I wonder if he himself has considered becoming the pastor that he longs to see for his Greek countrymen. Thanks for listening in
0: Canada, James. Well, that was precisely my thought When I interviewed him, being one of only a handful of Lutherans and no Lutheran congregations at all in Greece, he pleads for a pastor. There have been pastors from Europe who have come to help him. But I thought to myself, you know, maybe we need to find a way of making this guy a pastor so that he can carry out this ministry and, and he can begin. But not only that he finds the truth of the Lutheran faith and it's centered in God's word and sacraments, but also that he understands he can't be a lone wolf Christian. He and his family can't be lone wolf Christians there in Greece, even if they're separated from other Lutherans by hundreds of miles. He realizes he needs someone who has been called to administer those gifts to him. And hopefully we will find a way to make
3: that happen. One final email, Sean, greetings from a cold and rainy whole United Kingdom. I had to tick a box when filling out this form and I selected suggestions. So my suggestion is to please thank Brian Wolfmiller for his exploration of the Lord's Prayer. I have listened to parts one and two and variously it has driven me to such deeper thoughts and not so helpful when driving tears of joy. It is on such wonderful occasions when someone so unfolds scripture that one is blessed beyond measure. I can't put into words how it has benefited me both in my heart and soul. Thanks for listening in the UK, Sean.
0: Well, we were happy to do that as well. And Pastor Wolf Miller is one of the preeminent teachers of the Christian faith, in my opinion. There are many of them, and he's one of them. And we're happy to, on a regular basis, be able to bring his skill as a Christian teacher to you. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll get a review of the movie Journey to Bethlehem from Pastor Ted Geese. And we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on the Old Testament prophet Jonah. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening.
3: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues
1: Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc.,
3: PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc.
1: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.